it's not always just about getting the award or 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 getting recognition it's just yeah it's just being in that process of knowing you're an artist and and meeting other artists and you know you kind of you know it gives you kind of more oomph and push just from having those connections really Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S. And in today's episode, I have the chance to talk to the amazing Patrick Morales Lee. Patrick is a fine artist based in the UK who creates images exploring the human condition. Using his own upbringing and life experiences, he combines graphite and paint to create figurative art that questions our ideas of community, identity, and sense of belonging. So the best place to start, as I start with everybody, is just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. So I'm Patrick Morales-Lee. So I'm an artist. I do. um, I also do illustration. Uh, I currently live in Kent. And why did I become an artist? Such a big question, obviously. Which listen to other people. Some like Mark. I thought answered all these questions so well. So I'm trying not to just repeat what Mark said. But um, what I became it really was just the only thing I was ever good at. So I had, so I grew up in quite a shitty town. Um, uh, so I swear quite a bit as well. So I'll try and not swear so much. No, no, that's fine. Go right uh, is that right? All right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I grew up in quite a shitty town. So for my school, sort of secondary school was just rubbish. It was just like awful. And and art was really the only thing I was good at. And they never really, um, like I feel I'm pretty dyslexic, but no one's ever really like found that out. And like education just completely failed me in that regard, I believe. So I just thought I was quite averagely, not dumb, but not clever. So you sort of just, you know, skipping through school as such. And But art was the only thing that I really loved doing, like even to a point where I was spending money on like materials at school and like all the kids were just like, what are you buying clay for? And I was like, well, because it's, I want to make like a whale or something. It's like, so it was the only thing that really held my interest. And I thought I was good, even though like I got a C um, my final grade. I just thought the teacher was off, uh, but it wasn't really until I got to college. So, because I got poor grades, I could only do B techs. I couldn't do A levels because my grades weren't good enough. So, I did like a first diploma B tech, and then I did a two year national, where the second year became a foundation course. But just going to a different environment and a different college was just life changing. Really, it was just one of the best, like the best three years, arguably of my life. Because for te- for two teachers who were there, were just so good. They were so passionate. And they just totally opened my eyes about actually what art was and took us, like we went to Paris, we went to Amsterdam, we, you know, I saw so many works of art, like to the Pompidou Centre, to, they just took us everywhere across the time. And it was just uh, amazing, amazing for a few years. So really my journey was just, I knew I wanted to sort of get out of where I lived. So college was the obvious step. And then I sort of, so I did three years there. Then at the end of it, it's like, so what do you do? It's like, well, you go to uni. So it's like, oh, okay, so I'll go to uni. So I applied to, it was Plymouth University, but the campus was strangely next to her. But I applied to there because literally about three other friends applied. So we all got on, we're like, oh, right, yeah, let's do that. So it's really arbitrary, really strange choice to do it. But it kind of turned out, again, really well. And the three years at uni was, again, just just amazing, really. Just So the whole six years of my education was was brilliant, but there was no plan as a kid to be, I'm going to be an artist, you know, as a 10, even as a 15 year old, I didn't even re- really consider what an artist was or feasible or I had no grasp of that people did jobs rather than just 
very basic jobs of you work in a shop and <laughs> or you do just really crappy shit. So it was just it was just a thing of a route to go down because I didn't want to get a job and I was good at it. And then when when I got to college, it it, it became quite clear that I was, you know, pretty decent. So that gives you more confidence and stuff like that. So it just went through there really. And then obviously when you graduate, you um I just tried to continue as much as I could, but I had a lot of stop and starting and sort of got, I've gave it up a few times. Um because obviously like I found working and trying to work in evenings and and weekends was just so difficult. I couldn't really get up a, a, a like a bit of steam and the work was just a bit shit at the time. So yeah, but it was just it's always sort of been basically the only thing I'm good at and the only as you get older you just realize you need to concentrate more and focus more and you realize that you know I was like I was graphic designer for years and even though that's been really good to me it's not really what I'm interested in and and as much as so many designers out there you're never really going to earn unless you set your own company you're never really going to earn good money so like I've at one point at some point in my career I want to get to a point where I am earning quite good money and really arts any really way that I can earn really good money from what my skills are so literally in the last I can sort of consider myself a proper artist in the last sort of six years when I restarted again and that's where things really start to take off a bit more so it's really only in the last six years that I've really got my head into sort of gear and gone for it sort of thing so it's um yeah so it's that sort of a sort of brief journey to where I've got to that's really cool because as you said earlier there's about 10 questions I can ask you just from that alone yeah. um, none of which I've written down but my next question for you is going to be, I'm going to try to keep to the order. Try okay. to keep to the order. That's, That's not going to happen that much, but I'll try. <laughs> um, so my question for you next, actually, is art education. So how do you feel about art education? And is art something that you that can be taught? Um, I, I mean, I think it's changed so much because I actually, because I've always liked the idea of being a teacher. So like when I moved to, I moved to Brighton just after uh, 2000, so I graduated in 98, so I'm quite old. <laughs> but um, so I moved to Brighton and actually tried to get on a teaching course for secondary, but um, my English let me down, so I didn't get on, sadly. But then literally just before I started my practice again, I actually, I sort of had that big thing where I was like, well, I've been doing graphic design for about 12, 15 years. So I was like, I just really need to change my whole direction. So I applied to become a teacher again and do a teacher course, like a PGCE course, but for like the higher education, so like kind of college, A-level kind of approach. And I got on the course and it was already going really well. I, was, I did about three months and I got into, I like I got off um, like on my own accord. I sort of like contacted a really good um, college down in Canterbury near where I am uh, called UCA. And it's a really great, it's like a sort of college university together. And um, But just being among the students after about three months, I just realised I missed making art like there was some of them were just so good and just being in that environment again was just so inspiring um that and and but equally it was kind of a two of like almost like a threefold thing where um being around students was so good but equally the experience of being in there to my experience of it 20 years ago just seemed so different like the respect like only there was only really one or two full-time teachers the rest were just sort of session teachers where they're just part-time because the, the university can't afford it so like even when I went to my teacher, go, why are you doing a teaching? It's shit. And so it was just, it was a really weird environment where there was sort of like the respect of education seemed to have disappeared to where it was when I was there. So that was quite weird. Um, but but really being around the students just really made me want to make work again. So I kind of, I basically quit after three months 
um, to just basically start my practice again. That's when it sort of took off, I think. So, but I think for people going through it at that age, when I went through, I mean, but all the students I met there, you could tell they were just loving it. You know, it's that, I think it's that because I did six years where, it, you know, it wasn't like A-levels, it was completely just doing art full time. You do so many different things from, you know, uh, pottery to sculpture to all sorts. I did loads of sculpture in my, in my foundation year. So you just get to learn so many different things and you get the right tutors who are just pushing you in there. And also, if you get the right group of people, like you learn more off your kind of peers and your, and your friends really than sometimes the teachers, because if you're all into it and you all really want to push it, you kind of go off on your own anyway to London and see shows. And, you know, I just, for me, I found it invaluable, but I do follow people who haven't gone down that route and, and stuff and, and can do all right again. But I, I just think the, the sense of history you learn of the, you know, the history of art and the artists like at, at college, uh, at university, for example, we had, um, a visiting shooter from America who came for like a term who was a really amazing guy called Joe Hannibal. And um, he basically said, I'm taking a load of you to Venice. And if you don't come, you might as well just give up because it's Venice is just fucking great. So clearly if you don't come, you have no interest. So like a load of us went and it just, you know, I've never really at that time had appreciation for like Renaissance artist stuff. And he just took us to all his churches and Jonas Titians and like Tiepolos. And it was just, like mind blowing just how good it was and just having someone being so passionate about it taking you around and showing you where to go it was just you know I think things like that it's hard to get it from your own you know you can go out you can buy books you can go and see shows you can you know you can educate yourself to a point but being around someone who has that passion who's you know you know 20 years older and you, you can sort of like push you in that direction and kind of give you that that oomph to go and go and push yourself a bit further is um yeah i've just find it invaluable yeah and it's about like know the importance of art and kind of the fact that somebody with a lot more experience and kind of show you kind of the beauty in all genres of art rather than just say like the one piece or one kind of genre you're trying to yeah. you know work on and i think that's quite nice actually yeah um, and actually that's something i wanted to ask that i didn't actually write down the notes but i've just wrote, typed it now so the idea of kind of the importance of art and kind of why do you think that particularly in schools and in education art isn't seen as like a viable career um why do you think that is oh it's a strange one because i don't know we actually we were some friends recently about a few months ago and a friend was sort of saying he's saying he just doesn't see art as being a big big deal in 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 um in education wouldn't care if his daughters didn't do it sort of thing so i, I think it is quite a prevalent a prevalent area but it's I think when people don't realize is that you know it it feeds into so many different things whether you know if you, if you take it as creativity as a whole rather than just art yeah from everything around us is just designed and packaged and like everything has a creative element to it you know what we're looking in has been designed what what we're speaking in everything around us has been designed to some level and that has come from basically someone who has gone to a creative college you know the music you know tv everywhere you go it has a touch of creativity to it so you know it's it's you know it's just for me it is totally just as important as for of the key lessons so yeah I don't, I don't know why it's frowned upon really whether it's just because people just see you know it's quite it's there's more of a gray area to it I guess where people you know it's that it's not like a, if you go through that educational system like my parents always sort of worried like oh what you're going to end up doing and stuff like that you know you know if you go to a course and you're doing law then you know exactly what that end point is going to be and I think people can kind of get scared from the ambiguity of doing a creative course and what that might turn into 
but again also I think you know if you think about the last 18 months people working at home and stuff like that that whole idea of going to an office wearing a suit is kind of changing anyway so whether that's true that has, has a big effect later on and how people manage to you know change working you know environments and stuff who knows but um yeah don't know that answered the question really but <laughs> no that's no that's absolutely perfect um and it's a good point in terms of like we are definitely changing our opinions about the ideas of jobs and what that actually mm-hmm. looks like um and i think actually i'll ask you now i was gonna ask you later, but i'll ask you now is that how has the last um year and a half i guess with covid19 affected you and your work um on two levels on, on one on the first level of financial and, and stuff has been pretty pretty gruesome um like a lot of things got cancelled and then when it did go ahead it went ahead with kind of um kind of things like places um restrictions in place so it made it a bit difficult like doing an art fair where you've got to wear a mask and obviously yeah. connecting with people is very much um you know you know everyone likes to smile and has that connection so it's a bit hard to do it behind a mask and obviously booze can't be served so people aren't drunk so that makes it even harder um but um so yeah it, it, definitely a lot of things got got postponed and cancelled so that was a bit tough but from a actual creative point of view I actually did some really good work and it was quite nice to be in the studio and I mean I'm quite good on my own anyway in the studio I quite like my own company as such so um creatively it has been pretty good the last the summer just gone has been a bit tough because I ended up basically looking after, but I've got two daughters. So in the summer holidays, I basically ended up looking after them. So it's the first time in the six years after we started my practice that I actually stopped pretty much fully. So since they've started school again, it's been quite hard to to get sort of get going again, which has been a bit of a shock because um, it sort of reminded me back in the day, actually, when you did stop, it's actually quite hard to keep it rolling again. It's sort of like a tankard and it takes time to sort of change direction stuff. But um but I think I've had a bit of a breakthrough this week, so that's been quite good. So fingers crossed we'll go forward. But yeah, I mean, generally it's been it has been pretty tough. Because I, I try I'll try and work full time. So at the moment I'm doing two days, I do two days design work for graph design. So that sort of helps tick over a bit of money. Um of I've paid a couple of commissions this month, so that's sort of gonna help. And then hopefully illustration work will pick up again. But yeah, mainly it was the illustration work during COVID just dropped off mm. completely. So that was kind of the killer because um that brings that can bring quite a good bit of money which helps me stay in the studio full time and like and even when I'm doing illustration work I'm still drawing so you're still you're still in that kind of sort of creative kind of mechanic mechanism of you know doing it so it sort of keeps it going. It's actually kind of really interesting because you don't really think about kind of the balance of time and different kind of avenues you have to pursue just to do what you want to do. Because it's not like mm. you know you're in the studio you know painting full time you're in the studio just creating art like 24 7 that's not how an artist's life really is particularly if yeah. you have kids particularly if you have family particularly if you have responsibilities like how do you balance it all oh it's difficult I, like, I do think I wish I sort of got my head and had my head straight before I had kids because it would be a lot easier <laughs> but then but then equally the work probably wouldn't be what I'm doing now because it's the journey you go on and, and, and everything yeah. like that so it, you know it, it happens when it happens sort of thing so at the end of, at the end of the day I, I'm just pleased that I think the work that I'm doing now is exactly what I want to be doing it totally suits the aesthetic that I want to be producing and and the kind of the content what it is is kind of what I want it to be about so it's just yeah it's just hard doing doing it with sort of like proper responsibilities where like I've got friends who you know they don't have any kids and yeah. stuff like that but it you know it's a path you lead and it's you know I love 
having a family. I love being a dad. So it's, yeah, I find out I work quite a lot evenings. Why? So I had like a really bad day on Tuesday and couldn't sort of just get anything done. And then I just worked on my computer because I used my laptop as like a sketchbook. And then I just worked into the evening and actually managed to work the kind of kind of composition through. So it's weird. We just get, you get many days where you can't seem to get going. And then before you know it, you've got to go get the school run. And then you're just like, I've just wasted today. And you just speed stuff up. And then you sort of sit down in the evening and you sort of work through it. And then maybe it's just having a beer as well. But it just, the things will just click. So it's that thing of sometimes you can't, you can't always force it, even though I try to be quite sturdy and sit down and try and work. And, you know, I don't really wait for inspiration and strike as such. I just think it's about working quite hard and just trying to push it. But sometimes it just won't work. And then weirdly, you get, you, you know, sit down and the next like two hours onwards and something just, clicks for some reason so yeah it's a weird one do you think that knowing that you don't have all the time in the world to create art makes you more valuable the time you do have like um i'd like to think so but i'm not i am quite i'm very good at procrastinating so (laughs) um i will sort of like come in and then like make a sandwich and have a cup of tea and watch like a, a disney marvel series just to get going which is really bad um so but then I'm just I kind of because I'm quite used to working in my own time there are times when because my wife works as well we're quite good at balancing it so I'll just say oh you know I've got to work late and I'll just and I can work to two o'clock in the morning quite easily so I'm it's sometimes you won't you'll have a sort of you do two hours in a seven hour normal daytime but then I'll do a really good seven hours in the evening into the night so as long as you end up feeling at the end of the day that you've actually done something productive. I don't really think, you know, you kind of lose the idea of nine to five, I think being an artist. Yeah, of course. Cause, yeah. Cause it doesn't really always work like that. So sometimes I think if, if it is getting really tough, I'll just go for a walk or go to the cinema or, or sort of get away from it. But, but yeah, generally I just, you just keep working till it works. And that means working late and just work late really. And it's not like, you know, I love what I do. So it's not like I'm over time at a job, but you just like doing it anyway. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. So, so what's the most challenging part of being an artist? Uh, probably being successful, I'd say. <laughs> which is, a, it's like you know, it's finding the sort of golden, sort of the golden path towards how to get that way. So it's a, it's a weird. Yeah, it's just uh, for me anyway. I'm not, you know, for other people, it's obviously different. But for me, it's that place of just getting to a point where you can just live quite freely and go from exhibition to exhibition and sell out that exhibition and then that sort of keeps you good for the next two years to make new work and having that freedom to not think where at the moment it's it's quite month to month and up and down and you'll get some really good months where you're like oh this is brilliant and you kind of you know I've got sort of of, over the last few years I've fluctuated from being pretty much full-time and then it's had some really good times and then things will die and then I'll do a couple of days design work for three months and then then it sort of goes down and then it'll pick up again and sort of you go full time again. So it's that I'm on a sort of, it's sort of up and down at the moment, which is quite nice. And I quite like that sort of, sort of, you almost become a bit of a hustler to sort of get things working. Um, but yeah, I think in the long term, get to that position where you can just, you know, create a body of work, sell that work in an exhibition and then concentrate on doing the next body of work. That's for me is sort of the successful kind of blueprint I want to get to. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think it's it's lucky though you have the the design skills to be able to kind of have that second, in a way, that second kind of 
avenue of income as yeah. your kind of work because if you didn't you know it could be a bit more rockier for you than it necessarily yeah is. no totally the woman who I, I, I worked for I worked full-time with years ago so we're really good friends and she's really excuse me um she's been really great and always luckily they're quite busy so whenever I sort of get in touch you know they don't have to retrain me or anything I just can just jump on and it's quite a seamless thing so it kind of works well for both parties but yeah I think yeah. I'm quite lucky because it's it's fairly decent money like if I had to get like a like um become a postman stuff like that I'd get less money and I'd have to work more and you know you just be knackered but so yeah it's quite a nice balance really in position to be in um but yeah and then when obviously things come in like I'm, I'm hoping a big illustration job comes in next week which could be really good and that will um that could come in so yeah you're just sort of waiting for those you don't know what's around the corner so I quite like that there's quite an excitement in that as well you know you don't know what's going to happen that's cool I mean that's the thing though you can't really anticipate and it's kind of like it's what you're signing up for really um because there's no yeah. you know there's no guarantee of anything in no in the kind of no. any kind of creative endeavor there's absolutely no guarantees and I think sometimes it could be a bit nerve-wracking because you just don't really know what is going to happen um but then again yes yeah. But then, then again, I always feel like if you're doing any kind of creative endeavor, you're clearly not doing it for the money and the the richness, the you know, for the fame and the money. Because at the end of the day, you have to love what you're doing, and if you don't love what you're yeah. doing, you know, you're not. It's not going to be anywhere near successful as you know it could be. Yeah. be. So yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, it's a bit of both for me. Almost, it's you, I kind of I want the kind of byproducts of me doing it, but what I do doesn't. I won't sort of alter what I'm doing to kind of make things to increase the chances of making it happen because if you compromise the work, like eventually the work should speak for itself and therefore that should become, give you sort of money and sort of recognition as such. But if you're changing the work to try and chase that, I think that's where that's sort of like the danger ground can come into the work. But, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a tricky balance. Yeah. So actually let's talk about your work. Um, because we haven't done yet and it's been about <laughs> half an hour um this is why the conversations are so long um yeah so just for people who may not have seen it can you just describe your work um so i consider what well, people say what do you do i basically say i'm like i'm a figurative artist so i consider myself even though i use if people look at my later work there's more paint than there is drawing like actually physically on the surface but i definitely consider myself the drawer as such um so for yeah so they're basically um figurative work they have uh one two three people within the frames um and the face is usually always done in pencil with charcoal and then the figure parts are in um acrylic paints and then i use charcoal powder as well and then i use like um like a chemical spray called uh, zest it which is like the lemon version of like it's like a healthy version of um turps basically and I kind of use turps on the charcoal powder, which almost makes it kind of like paint. And it kind of gives this sort of like kind of um, really lovely sort of texture to the charcoal. And it almost allows me to paint with it, but it kind of gives me this kind of, I've got two to three, four minutes to sort of play with it before it dries or for this. So it's quite an essential process, which is quite light. So it doesn't make me overthink about it. And kind of, I really try and go for this. I really, I'm really big into not overthinking the actual doing for my work and just let it kind of sort of obviously I plan it out and do what I do but when I'm actually doing it especially with the faces I don't want it to be too overwrought and stuff like that so this sort of process that I've sort of came up with allows me just to because the time limit is so short it's sort of just I'll get 
sort of happy accidents from it or marks and it's just sort of recognizing what marks work what ones don't and so yeah just sort of it's a sort of nice really nice way i've sort of found of working um so yeah that's sort of visually what what they look like um and then just do you want to know shall i talk about what they're about or yeah no absolutely 100%. yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right. So, um, so basically, it's all to do. This is terrible. I'm, I should just read what's on my website, but I won't. But um, so basically, it's all about sort of belief and identity, and it all comes from. So it's just sort of searching into those ideas because basically, when I was free, I was fostered um, into. Um, it's, I got really lucky. Went into this really great family, and they they basically became my family I never officially got adopted for some strange reason but um but yeah so I got fostered with my sister and then about six years into that she ended up going back to our biological mother and I stayed and then it didn't work out with her and she went to different family but I just stayed at this one family so sort of throughout my life I've always sort of grown up knowing obviously that I was fostered and you're sort of going through life always trying to fit in and have that sense of you know connection with people and stuff like that so it's just trying to explore those ideas that I think as I've sort of become older and you sort of as I've really started to look at this subject as I've it's only really in the last six years that I've really kind of faced it properly and um, really kind of explored it before I was just like well you know I've had a you know I've gone to uni I've got good friends my family's really nice what even though I was adopted or fostered as such why why would I sort of pull up that because I'm all right anyway so it was it but then when I I did end up having actually a bit of counseling about it it was actually quite interesting that you know the woman saying you know well actually being given away by your biological mother is actually quite a big thing so it's fine to feel angry or upset or you know you know it's fine to actually explore these things even if you feel you are all right so that that was quite a big thing for me at that time so then obviously when I really wanted my work to be about that and I was sort of starting up at the same time my practice again it just felt obvious to sort of look at that and just trying to trying to explore that ideas and that kind of emotion that I had. So the work at the moment, us they're kind of quite religious, and I kind of use that as kind of a mirror because obviously people join, you know, a religion to have that connection and to be part of something. So it's kind of like, and I almost use cults as kind of like the extreme example of obviously people are trying to people are happy to kind of channel themselves into kind of rules and regulations to live. And kind of have expectations of how they should behave and stuff like that. And so I find that really fascinating that people have so obviously such a yearning to not be alone and to be something, whether you know, it's not just religion, you know, it's from anything from how you dress or you know, whenever you meet people, you're kind of trying to mirror what they are in you, and you always look for things that you like, and everyone wants to have that sort of tribalism within, you know, whether it's subconscious or not. So, but for me, I've kind of gone gone for these sort of these sort of quiet little ceremonies within this sort of made up cult that I've done. So they're kind of like these kind of unsettling, but also kind of quite comforting, I try and find. So there's a lot of like hands are quite big in my work. I really like when there's a lot of kind of little touching and little moments like praying, which seems quite straightforward and quite obvious. But actually, if you think about it, it's, it's quite a weird act to do. So I've kind of created all these different things where and I'm really big into this idea of a lot of them wear hats or have hankies on the head. And I really like, obviously, when you're a child, when you're a kid, if you're soothing, I'm not sure if you have got kids, but if you have a baby, no, if you have a baby and it cries, you stroke its head or you kiss its head. Yeah. And it's like a very soothing act to kind of calm. And I think there's something really lovely about like touching heads. I think it's really calming and comforting. Even as adults or if someone's a friend's upset, you'll sort of give them a hug and 
I think it's just naturally people do that. So the kind of hats and these kind of objects that I have within it are kind of having to hark back to this sort of sense of comfort. So it's quite important for me to have this sort of balance between something which is kind of quite nice and kind of beautiful to it, but also kind of a bit like, well, what is going on there? It's kind of, there's nice ambiguity to it, which I can sort of play with. So it's kind of really interesting that, so I, I just wrote down here gestures. I think that's kind of an interesting idea that your work is very, you know, yeah. you know, about gestures and kind of like the act of, I guess of comforting, but the act of kind of, well, actually that's a quite nice, now I'm just thinking about it, it's actually quite a nice parallel of the idea of like the people in your work are comforting. It, it, there's a level of idea of comforting because then it's kind of like you're almost trying to to comfort yourself and your own emotions from your past, from, from yeah. your past. That's I mean, I mean def- yeah, it's definitely, they're definitely very personal and they, you know, they are, even though, I mean, I'm in a couple of pieces, like self-portraits that I do, but generally I hire, like I do a photo shoot, so I hire people or friends or models and I do like a proper full-on photo shoot to get for references. But generally, I'm not really after their likeness. It's they, I mean, they are kind of all self-portraits in a way, really. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to, and even when I'm sort of, I'm again, like I said, I'm quite instinctual, so I'll, sort of, I'll play around with the images on, my, on Photoshop and, ideas and if something just feels right I just do it and I don't really ever think about why I don't at that point in time I don't really need to know exactly what it's about and it's things will come out six months a year down the line oh I think that might be about that and things like that so I'm very much about trusting my own instinct about kind of what I produce and stuff which I quite like um but yeah they're very personal so why is art a good medium to explore this as opposed to say film um I don't think there is a good, you could explore it in any medium, really. It's only just because of my journey. That's the only thing I was good at. I mean, I was, I think if if I had my, if I had sort of my brain in my 10 year old self now, I probably would have done film because I was obsessed with film as a kid growing up. But the connection of watching films and thinking someone makes these films, you could go to college and learn how to do these things that those two never connected at all. It just felt like that was a different world, like beyond, it was like a fairyland where people made films and then he brought them back to us to do. It never felt like I could ever do that. Um, but it, just because I used to draw all the time as a kid and I obviously got praise from it. It was only sort of praise about schoolwork I ever got was about my art. So like I said, it just rolled into one and six years later, you sort of doing painting as your kind of fine art subject. And then, now it just feels especially now I've gone back to drawing as well because I've painted all through my 20s and 30s now I've gone to back to drawing it feels a much better fit and it feels much more like me where some artists are like obsessed with paint and the obsession of just the tactileness of it and they just literally want to eat it I never really felt that sense of wanting to eat my paint <laughs> but with with pencil and charcoal I could probably eat a bit of charcoal I wouldn't mind that sounds good so yeah I feel much more kind of connected to it as a material um, and obviously working on paper as well rather than canvas feels much more natural so yeah I don't know it's just it's weird isn't it what people you know you know lean on sort of thing it's like almost like fetishes isn't it like where does that come from it's all from, stem from childhood trauma of some kind so it's oh, like true. it just yeah it's like why do you know people like paint people like pencil it's just it's just weird so how do you think your work is very differently because you don't use paint as your primary medium um do you think there is a do you think it would be very differently i don't know i mean it's a it's a thing that i've got a friend who he does drawing as well we actually met 
on the portrait show that we did together and and we're really big on this whole point of drawing and how some like for example like the bp doesn't wouldn't accept a drawing as a portrait yeah. and we're like but it's what's what's making that validation between that's a finished piece and that's not a finished piece because it's pencil and i find that we find that quite a weird like yeah. line where he's drawing that line between because we consider our work to be a final piece of work so just because it's in pencil i know obviously it's called a, a painting prize but you're still making a portrait aren't you so yeah i don't know so yeah i find it weird i mean i don't think hugely there's nothing hugely different about doing the subject it's just what people like in their in their mediums for that but i guess for me it's just that i the marks i can get from pencil if i try to do it in paint i just don't think i would get so i did try over the summer i did buy a big canvas and think oh, i'm gonna go big and try and you know transform it because i went down in my in my head i was down that narrative of like oh, i should probably turn it into painting and then i could like enter the john moores and do all this and and i started doing it. i was like this just doesn't feel right so i just bought a really big bit of paper and did the same drawing but on a really big bit of paper and it just worked with miles better and it just like why am i trying to you know crowbar my work into a format because that's what generally most art competitions and kind of people expect you to do sort of thing so it was quite a nice sort of get to that feeling of like actually fuck it i'm not going to do painting a, even though i have paint in my work I, i'm very much going to push drawing as a <laughs> as a kind of medium yeah but that's actually really interesting though that you've got enough instinct about you to know when something isn't working and rather than just you know trying to do it and force it and be like hey yeah let's create this piece of work that's taking hours and you just hate it you actually don't yeah. know let's leave it and let's actually move on to something i'm actually going to enjoy i mean i think i think that's that's it's such an important thing to have i think it's, it's recognizing i think a lot of art really it's not really recognizing when it's good it's recognizing what's bad yeah. and then when when it's not bad it must something must be working rather than it going that other way because i've just I'm quite good at knowing if it's shit or not, but it's harder to know if something's good. So yeah, I kind of, I'm, I'm much, much, much strong senses of if it's not working are there. And then, yeah, you just kind of, the more, the less things wrong with it, I guess the better it is <laughs> in a strange way. So you said that you've um, stopped and started a few times over the years. Um, so how has yeah. your work actually kind of developed over the years? Like, how is it, like, how is it different then? And how is it different now? Um, so when I left uni, I did my dissertation on an artist called David Sally, like an American sort of pop artist. I always used to call him Sal, but I believe it is Sally. So it's S-A-L-L-E. He's a really massive artist in America. And he also, he sort of did, he did a film actually as well. And he was really into sort of like theatre and ballet stuff. But he did these sort of big paintings, quite collage. It was, they were paintings, but they were kind of collage of images so there'd be sometimes there'd be like a figure on one side and then quite an abstract shape and okay. sometimes you had sculpture bits coming out so I was really obsessed with this idea of like because I was really into film as well of getting like three or four different images and creating like a painting collage and the kind of jarring and kind of connection between the image to create the narrative so I did loads of paintings like that in my 20s uh although I did go through a funny phase where I did cartoons of me hanging out with like DiCaprio and David Blaine and sort of like these hello type like pop art paintings with me within famous settings because I just thought well, I'll just leave uni and I'll become famous and move to London that's what most artists do and then you think oh no that doesn't happen um <laughs> so I did a funny phase like that but generally yeah the early work was kind of just sort of like multiple images on quite large canvases um and just trying to work that but because I was I, I basically moved to Brighton for about 10 years um and was working evenings and weekends and 
it was just such a slow process of because they were quite big and generally they had people in them so it took I could spend like a month which is like maybe you got six days worth of work seven days worth of work yeah. on just a face so I'm doing like three paintings a year and it was just really like tough going so I sort of I think I mid to late 20s I sort of stopped and I thought I'd just throw myself into design I could really become a good designer so I stopped for a year or two and then I moved to London I met my wife who's obviously my girlfriend at the time so I moved to London um started up again and then I thought well what should I do and I just thought actually I really feel like I'm not a very good painter so I just do portraits and like Freud like portraits and just so I just took I get away from the whole kind of um intellectual side of it and just try and paint and get better at colour so I just took uh, photos of friends and just did these straightforward portraits. And that was quite enjoyable. But again, it, they were looking back now, they were pretty shit. Um, uh, and then there was one quite good one. But um, yeah, and so that was kind of kind of fun. And I started exploring the idea of, I, I, I did touch on identity then because I started contacting people who had like operations or certain things. So I met a girl who had a big operation. She had like this big scar down her front and then, I met other people who had sort of struggled with their kind of body identity. So that sort of, the theme of identity was coming in a little bit, but it was just fairly straightforward, sort of big, sort of naked portraits of people with sort of scars really, which again is, you know, it's been done so many times. Um, so then I, I stopped again. And then that's when I think uh, I'd had my first daughter and then I sort of started the teaching part and left design completely and started teaching. And then that's when it was like, right, teaching is just is good but equally I don't think actually it could be a career because it's just so I think the respect of teachers is sort of all the kind of government are just aren't supporting the kind of yeah. the, these places enough so it's actually just not going to be this like dream thing so loads of people would always say you'll be a really good teacher and all this sort of thing so but um so then when I and then that's when I had a little bit of therapy as well with about being fostered and then I met a friend well a friend of my wife's who was just he, he just works in London as like a designer but he was um he's really into his art and he be almost became a bit of a mentor it's about saying oh he's got really like gym me up and telling me what to do and kind of giving me ideas and just it was almost like a perfect storm of this one guy he sort of mentored me for about a year and was saying oh I can do your website we can do this do a bit of this do a bit of illustration just try and get a bit of awareness and eyes on your work and then when I got to that point I was like right what am I going to do? I don't want to go into the trap again of doing painting. If I do drawing, I could get, I could do 10 drawings a, a month and therefore I've already beaten. So drawing yeah. really was just getting a point of going, let's just get a lot of work done quite quickly. I'm like, I was coming up to 40, I was like 39. I was like, I can't spend three years doing like six paintings. That's ridiculous. So let's just do some drawing. Let's not overthink it. And then I sort of just stumbled into it quite quickly. Really, I started doing these sort of just find an image online of people praying or little moments which I thought was quite nice. Uh, and it just seemed to work. And then I started doing a bit of illustration in the same sort of style. And then um, got a, I sort of started sending off things to clients and friends who worked in like, like a job for ITV doing some work, um, which was on for tennis. I, was, I did like this tennis drawing and that was on um, ITV4. So all of a sudden, just within a year, I started getting natural illustration work and I got a few pieces in a local gallery and it was like, oh, this feels quite quickly already a direction which is working. And then it just sort of grew from there, really. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was only then as you go through it as well that you just realised actually drawing was something I always was, like, always loved life drawing. I was always felt like my stuff stood out a bit. So 
in, in a way it kind of makes sense that I'm sort of become almost like a, a not, 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 not really a drawing snob, but I've, re- I've just really embraced it. I think like yeah. it's, yeah, it's just something that I feel quite passionate about, I guess, in the same way people feel about paint. So. But I think that's really nice though, because it's nice to talk to an artist who has a very different view on art and you're not just like quote unquote another painter. Like it's quite yeah. nice actually, because um, you're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> like, no, because your viewpoint can be very different from, say, other people I've interviewed um, who just purely just paint and that's it. Mm. Um, so it's quite nice. Yeah, definitely. I do think as well there is something not like because there aren't that many drawers, it, it does not necessarily make you stand out, but I think it's you're not following a sort of a treaded path as such. So, yeah. you know, there are, you know, you are painters are battling with so many different painters, it's difficult. But then equally, going back to the whole point of like drawers and painters should be on the same kind of playing field anyway rather than two separate playing fields and stuff so yeah but yeah it's um i feel comfortable with where i am with it all which is good so how important is originality in your work and do you think that art can be original uh i don't think no i mean i think if you're going down the original route i think if you're looking at painting and drawing to be original you're going to struggle i think when you get into like um, installation conceptual art there you've got more chance of of you know striving towards that more I don't think anything could be truly 100% original because you just the history of art is just so deep and and heavy but I think being you know at the end of the day I'm doing figures of drawing you know there's billions of people doing that in the past so to be original is 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 hard but I definitely do strive to do things where I the aesthetic is trying to, even if it's just small little tweaks, I am trying to push aesthetic in a very contemporary way and trying to do something which even though it may have happened, I'm not aware of it. I am conscious about trying to push it as far as I can where like my early drawings, for example, I had no paint. They were literally just like drawing black and white. I used a bit of gold leaf and then looking back, I hate gold leaf now. So it almost comes a bit from a bugbear where people use it. I just find it a bit lazy, but but equally, there are, there are some people who use it really well. So it's a, you know, but it's almost a bit of a cliche that some people use. You know, you got obviously people use drips and all yeah. this, and it just feels like decoration sometimes. So I kind of, I really try and stay clear of that, and I just want to try. Yeah, I just really want to try and push the aesthetic as 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 contemporary and and always you know moving forward with it. So your work falls under the, I don't know, probably often quoted umbrella term, the human condition. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just curious, yeah. why do you think that people are very interested in looking at images of other people? Um, I mean, people are just upset. I mean, if you think about it in a sense of reality TV, we're, we're literally in, you know, people are just watching people who aren't even famous and we're just getting entertainment from it. It's like the first for people is just untold at the moment, isn't it, in a way? So, you know, whether it goes back to like an Orwellian, you know, you know Big Brother's watching and all this sort of stuff, but I mean, people are just fascinating, aren't they, at the end of the day, I think, for me anyway. I just, like, how could you not, as much as, you know, I like a Peter Doig landscape, you know, um, people, you know, people and figurative art, for me, like, you just, I could just not get bored of it. So I, th- I think it is just fascinating. Like, someone asked me this question a while ago, and I sort of said, like, bring it back to my biological mother, she actually has, um, she had another son about, six years after um me who she actually brought up fully 
and um, just from obviously knowing bits on Facebook here and there, he he obviously adores his mum, which is lovely. But so you've got this really interesting, I think, duality that you've got one person, but two men who see this mother quite differently, but she's the same person. So how can that be? So it's like, uh, that's what I find really fascinating that she's actually the same person, but she's managed to do it one time. But you know, that is kind of that learning path, isn't it, of how people go down and that being a mum to that person has probably saved her from that sort of thing she must have felt about giving away children. Because I've got I've got no bad feeling towards any of it now, um, but I find that fascinating that you can have one person viewed in a completely different way from two different people. So I, th- I think you know as a kind of example of why people are interested, I think that is kind of quite an interesting example. Yeah, because the idea of perspective and the fact that everyone has their own viewpoint in the world. Um, yeah even if you're right I guess you're right even if they're raised in the same household even if they're not raised in the same household they have a very yeah. different perspective on the world they're different people maybe that's yeah. why we like looking at pictures of other people it's just curious because it just seems like you know the human condition I used to be like oh that's such a, a boring topic to look at but now I kind of yeah. understand actually people are fascinating you know yeah so, but I, th- I think it's that thing also I think of like um you know you can see you would you know if if I just told someone straight out I was given up by my mum at three. They're just saying, oh, what a horrible person. But yet, yeah. you, know, you know, she's obviously not a horrible person because she's raised a, a son who's actually really seemed very kind and a really decent guy. So, you know, I think that complexity of like, you can do quite bad things in the idea of what a bad thing is, but equally yeah. that doesn't make you a bad person. It's just that the factors around life can be very difficult. And there's, that you know, it's it's a very grey, complex area. And I just think that's what's fascinating is if you can... Be, you know the, the levels of complexity to one person is just it's just so layered that that's what makes people interested I think well, that's what makes people want to know more about them so what do you hope people get when they look at your work oh um it's such a difficult one because I always think again up someone asked me again this so I'm going to sort of tread what I said a little bit there where obviously I have my own ideas about the narrative within them. But it's that thing, I think, obviously, when you give, when your work is out there in the public, people come with it with their own ideas and their own thoughts and their own emotions and histories to certain things which are quite triggering or stuff like that. So you sort of almost give up. You know, you're not trying to push on your ideas onto that person and saying, no, you're wrong, it's about this, so therefore you're not getting it right. You know, everyone has that kind of personal sense to it anyway. Um, so like, I almost find it better to say, like, I, I see it very much like, cause like I'm really, I love, I love sort of instrumental music and that kind of emotion you can get from listening to music, which almost, you know, it's a different medium, but there's no music in it. There's no, I mean, there's no like lyrics. So you're not actually getting emotional from the lyrics. It's just the music where that can give you that kind of rousing emotional sense where you are, your hairs go up. So that, that's almost that emotion that I want to get from people looking at it is that kind of unknown sense but you don't if you like for example i like really like mogwai but you wouldn't go up to the musicians and go well what's that song about tell me about it destruct yeah. it whereas i kind of I, i'm quite a big believer in the whole you know it should speak for itself sort of thing i like as much as i can talk about it and give the reasons why if you're in a gallery you, you only get like a little bit of blurb and generally it's just yeah. about that that visual sort of gut punch you would get from a piece of work or not sort of thing so yeah, I'm quite about, yeah that's why I think the music kind of analogy analogy is quite nice because it's that sense of 
you're not actually, you know, where with music with words, obviously you're getting taken down a story and it's narrative, but when it's just instrumental and it's like the music's like building and building and building, it becomes quite this over, over flowing sort of emotional sense to it. So I just think that's what I want to try and achieve in that kind of, that's that feeling you would get from a song or a live, sort of going to see a live band and that kind of rousingness you get. So you prefer like a sense of ambiguity? Mm. As opposed yeah. to being like, oh, it's about this exactly. Yeah, because it's not about, there are, they are, because because they're kind of little ceremonies, but there's one, for example, let me, um, called Transmission, and there's kind of, she's got, a, it's two figures, one sitting down, one behind her, and there's one hand is on the shoulder and the other hand is up like this, like it's taking an oath, but then there's yeah. like a shadowy kind of silhouette of the arm. So I always like it. So who's got the power in this piece? Is it the person sitting down or is it the person standing there? It's the person standing up oh. the, the oath because she's there continuing it. And therefore the woman sitting down is much more comfortable. So therefore she's not, you know, if you, you know, for example, if you're in class, stand up and talk to the class. You know, yeah. every time you stand up, you're kind of doing something to perform to try and make yourself feel part of it. Oh. But equally, the person higher up she's kind of more dominant in that sense because you're higher and therefore you've got power and because she, she's got the harm on her. So I kind of like it can, so if someone's visualizing it, they can put themselves in either figure and get something completely different from it. See, that's very so, interesting. That's very like symbolic. Um, that's actually really fascinating. The idea of like, it's actually so thought out and you wouldn't necessarily know that when you look at it, yeah, which is no. actually very, very nice. Um, and but I've actually it, seen yeah. it. I've actually seen that piece in the art fair when I went down to London to oh, see nice. the art fair. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, um, on... that's really cool. That's right. Nice. I don't know exactly what you're talking about because I've seen it, uh, <laughs> which is nice, which I'll talk to you about later, actually. If I want to ask you about that later. It's okay. Nice. Um, so let's talk about your use of colour because your use of colour is quite interesting because you're, it's quite, like you have a very restricted colour palette. It's not, you know, crazy multi colours. Yeah. You know, it's quite limited. Um. First, I mean, I I consider myself really bad with colour, so it's only of late that people have actually said, oh, I like your colour palette, which is really quite nice, because I've always felt that I've hated, that I hate colour. I think it goes back to the whole sense of I've never really loved paint. Yeah. Like, there's, I know some artist friends who are just so good with colour, and they just know, like, I sometimes I've got to Google how to get a colour for mixing. Yeah. It's like, it's just, oh, yeah. I'm quite... Um, yeah, really, really bad with it. So it, I kind of... I don't really, it, again, it's just quite instinctual. I kind of like, I'm really into pink at the moment because there's always usually pink, well, obviously, because there's this figures. So I do like hands and heads as pink, but um, I, there's one, there's a couple where the rough is, I use like a rough, which is like a garment, which I really like this kind of uncomfortableness. And I, I kind of like the little tropes of people being uncomfortable in it. And the fact you've got to go through something uncomfortable to sort of become part of a kind of, the team as such sort of thing yeah. so it's like you, you're kind of making yourself you, you're doing something you don't like because you want to get to the other side of what you do like and I kind of like that kind of assault course sense to the garments that I put on but um I think making it pink as well kind of is trying to disguise the fact that it's some making it feel quite nice when obviously it isn't quite nice so yeah I don't know yeah yeah so I'm really liking pink and I always seem to use green a lot as well as I'm looking now but um funny enough I've just found I found a really new painter this week who I'm just become obsessed about, who um, I, I think will really inspire my colours more. Called um, he's an Indian painter. He died a few years ago. Uh, I'm probably butchering the name, but uh, Tayeb Meta. 
who's this, yeah, he was this crazy um, Indian painter who was really quite successful. I think his paintings go for about a million now. So like really, really well respected painter, but literally never heard of him ever. And then just found this book in Margate when I was there yesterday. And his color use, they're kind of almost kind of quite Matisse sort of shapes, but they're kind of figurative, but his color use is just incredible. So I'm really always trying to learn about color, I think still, yeah. and I think me doing it, and I find more as well, as I'm doing more pieces, like earlier pieces, I've used quite a lot of colors, but they become, each piece is almost becoming more sort of like restrained and almost only two to three colors. And it's always quite, it's even flatter than the last one. So I'm really enjoying those kind of big open spaces of color. So it's kind of interesting what you said about like Googling paint mixes. And actually that's something that's kind of interesting. It's not something I've ever thought about in terms of like, nobody teaches you how to do these things. So how mm. did you kind of learn the ways of being an artist? Was it literally just, let's Google it, let's YouTube it, let's kind of study? Uh, through, through university, it's literally just with your, your colleagues, your friends, literally like, I, th- I think I saw one of my tutors more of the final, the year I graduated, because I stayed in, my, in Exeter where I graduated for a year. I saw my tutor more at parties than I did a, the year when I was there, which is quite weird. And um, so you, you literally are just like, I, I learned so much from friends, basically. Like I had a couple, I had one friend who's my really good friend. Um, and he, it, was, it was funny when I went to uni, I was just like, oh, this is where it sort of starts. And when I met my mate, he was like, oh, I came from Gloucester and we went to this really good school and they were telling us about the London School of Artists and like Auerbach and all this. So I was like, who the fuck is Auerbach? I've never even heard of him. And he was like, felt like he was three years ahead of his knowledge. And I was like, it's mad to me that someone at 16 is getting taught about Arbat. But, you know, that's just my my journey, my sort of sense of, you know, not being aware or and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that, that's quite fascinating to me. But I just, I learned so much from them of like talking about artists and then going to shows. So, oh, I'm going to go to this. So, oh, okay, I'll come as well. And I think a lot of it is, yeah. I mean, I did a few times. I would, I was one of the rare ones where I would say to a tutor, I'm really struggling painting this eye. Can you show, tell, get me started? And I'd get them to paint and show me like their kind of how they would do it. And I think that alone is quite good. But yeah, generally everything is just self-taught. I think most artists are just, it's just trial and error. You just literally, you know, like I don't necessarily think how I draw, like I see how other people draw and I think, oh, that'd be quite nice to draw like that. It's not like how I draw is a conscious choice to draw that style. It's just how I draw. Yeah. It's just, it's just quite a nap. It's just, I don't know how else to draw. So, yeah, I think that's, I, I would imagine most artists, are, they just, that's how they draw rather than going, I'm going to draw this style and this is going to become my style. I think you just, you just have what you have or what you're given somehow. Yeah. So would you like to be a mentor to somebody in the future? <sighs> um, I've had my, like my niece come to my studio. Who's, she's, I think 18 now. So I had her come a couple of times and like, got her on a canvas and I did like a drawing with her as well and that was quite fun but that's obviously because it's family um yeah. but um as a proper mentor mentor I don't know it's yeah probably not just because I don't know I just yeah I feel uncomfortable for some reason I don't know why I think that's oh. just probably just my insecurities but well maybe a better way to ask you I guess would be like how accessible are you as an artist in terms of like say if somebody who really likes your work wanted to message you and be like yo could you just tell me this or oh could you you know show me this oh. like how kind of accessible and reachable are yeah you as an artist? 
Fairly, I think. I mean, I did, I kind of befriended this um, art curator woman called Gita Joshi um, a few oh, years yeah. ago. I've heard, yeah. Yeah, and um, so basically I just, I did a print and then I just, I followed her for a bit. So I just literally was quite, I'm, I'm, I feel as I've kind of got a bit older and I, in my kind of new kind of artist state, I'm quite, become quite bold. So I'm just, I just yeah. like messaged her and said, oh, hi, I've followed you for a bit. I've got this print. If you like it, I'd love to give it to you. And if you would oh, do wow. a post about it, that would be great. And she was like, oh, okay, yeah. And she really liked it. And then we've become quite good friends. And then she does like um, little courses where she helps artists. So she was doing a course with someone, like a one-on-one course. And she suggested that this woman contact me and just chat to me about stuff. So I've, like, we had a little Zoom chat and it was really nice. So yeah, I'm like, I've, like in things like that, I'm, I think it's really nice yeah. to support other artists because it's generally, you know, I've, I'm in a couple of art collectives and, like I've become like Instagram is really good for that. It's a really good way to sort of connect with someone and you can become quite, you know, friendly and you, you know, one group I'm in, there's a chat group where you just people go, I've done this, how can I get this? Or I've got like a scratch, how do I get rid of it? Or, you know, how do I mix this and all this sort of stuff? So I think it's, yeah, I think it's really invaluable to have that sort of support because you're in your studio alone a lot. So even just yeah. have little chats and stuff, it's really nice. So yeah, no, it's, I, I think that's really, oh, important probably strong word i just think it's, it's just really nice it's just like courteous it's just been a nice person isn't it i think more well, than yeah because some because sometimes yeah. some artists are very um precious about what they're creating and about the ideas and about kind of critique um and a lot and a lot of artists don't really want to talk about other people's work because they don't want to offend people and or they don't really want to say anything about it um, yeah. and i'm just kind of curious like where do you sit on that spectrum of like you know kind of like adding your voice to to kind of the art industry i guess yeah, it's definitely difficult. I mean, the person who contacted me who wanted to chat from Gita, she was actually really good, so that made it quite easy. So that was like an yeah. easy one. If it, if she wasn't very good, maybe it would have been harder. But because I do, I do think there is a lot of shit out there, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, so it's true. It's um yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. But yeah, generally, I I always think if I'm ever if I'm ever sort of following someone and there's a little bit of you know liking each other's posts back and forth. I, I would I always kind of have a thing of like I won't say or comment anything if I don't think it's true. Like if I if it's not good and they yeah. try and be friendly, I won't say you're rubbish. I just won't. It's that whole thing. You know, if you've got anything good to say, don't say anything. Absolutely. So, and also, some people are like in their you know might have they're changing direction, and sometimes you can go through a, a year period where you're trying things out. Like I a couple of years ago, I was doing stuff, and looking back, it was actually a bit of a transition gateway to the newer work, which is much better than that transition. Sometimes you need to go through that. So you don't always know what people are working through and, and trying to produce and stuff like that. And they might know it's rubbish as well. So, you know, it's just, I, I think you can kind of generally know people's genuineness towards their work. And I mean, most artists are fairly, should be their kind of worst critic anyway. So they probably oh, should Yeah, I, I imagine so. A lot of, a lot of artists, um, yeah, are very kind of, they feel very vulnerable when they're sharing their work online and or in an actual physical space. Uh, yeah. That a lot of people spoke to me. And actually, that moves on very nicely to the idea of exhibiting work. So, um, yeah, so like, talk a bit about kind of, at what point did you know that your work was good enough to exhibit? Um, I mean, obviously, I've got to 39 when I've kind of feel like I've really started. So hmm. the earlier work, like the early work I had like a couple of commissions or I got like a little gallery I got signed to an agency but again it was all pretty shit and some of the people I signed to I didn't really respect much so there was you know there's a lot of people trying to 
make sort of there's a lot of agencies and art agencies and they're trying to open galleries for that but you know their partners are painters so they've opened a gallery and they've just got too much money and it just I just think it's all a bit self-congratulatory so a lot of, there are there is a lot of rubbish out there but um yeah it's only really the latest work that I'm I'm still proud of where I look back on pieces like three four years old I'm still like, oh that, I think that holds up quite well still so it's definitely the latest work which I'm happy about but that I, I think I was like six pieces in and then I sent a couple of pieces to a local gallery and they put them in their gallery so it was quite early on really that it was like it, it was kind of not necessarily gallery ready but felt like okay they're not perfect but they're not rubbish so and the whole point of work is is to get out there like I've never really been that worried about getting out there or feeling self-conscious about it I mean it's annoying when no one buys it <laughs> but the work itself I, like for example the art fair I did yeah like I didn't actually sell anything okay uh, which is a real shocker um but is that because then you sort of go down these narratives of where is it because the art's not very good or is it just didn't connect to the audience was the audience just wrong was it and stuff like that so even though I didn't say anything I still think the work is very strong it's just it's just probably the wrong audience or the wrong art fair to have gone to so you've kind of got to try and be which is really difficult you've got to kind of really stand back from it and really look at the facts of what you think are true and not so yeah it's just it's a strange one exhibiting because even my wife now, like, if I've done a piece and she really likes it, she's like, can we keep this one? It's like, well, they're not hobbies. Like, they're, these are, like, income. This is, like, yeah. we can't just keep all of them. So, it's, a, a, you know, she finds it quite weird to, like, get, you know, do one and just, like, I am like I did a one I really liked and I've sold it. And it's a shame to be going. But it's like, well, that's just part of the course. That's that's the job sort of thing. You've yeah, got to of course. Not hold on to it sort of thing. And in, in a way, you've kind of, I've looked at it for so long as well, doing it. You just want to get rid of it anyway, really. So, so you can like in a year or two, look at fresh, fresh eyes. So, yeah. So you also did another show called Pressing Matters where it was a, a combination of art and music. Yes. Yeah, that was actually a really, I didn't know about this. Now, obviously, as you can imagine, I went through your website quite extensively. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was actually really curious, like, how did that kind of opportunity come about? And how did you feel about kind of, because I think music and art have very interesting correlations. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So like, how, um, how, how was that experience for you? It was brilliant, to be honest. It was through, I did another show with them um, called, um, oh, what's it called? I've got the book. Um, they did a show, they called a show, basically, it's these two guys called James and Josh. And they do this really famous scene, like art scene called Pavement Liquor, um, which is sort of around London. And they kind of, they've done it for over 10 years and they've had people like Jamie Hewlett, that Banksy was in it once. Um, so they get all these really street artists. I get a few, I think Irvin Welsh has written a short story or poem for it. So th th these guys sort of work, like the, um, Josh, for example, he worked at Santa's Grotto in the high, the high period of when Banksy was doing all his prints in London back in like the early 2000s so he's really connected and he's like a freelance journalist and James is the designer of the two and um so I've known him for quite a while like literally when I first started dating my wife in London she lived with Josh um so I've kind of met him through there and then he knew a mutual friend of mine called have you heard of a painter Anthony Mikolev I haven't did yeah so I went to uni with Mick and um and Josh he uh, Mick Anthony did um a couple of pieces for Pavement Liquor I think so he knew Josh huh. and then I was like oh I know I know him and so we got on well from that early days and then as I started doing my new stuff he just we, we, like you know we were friends on Facebook and Instagram and stuff and he was like oh man I'm loving this work stuff like that and then 
they did this show before that called Pavement Liquors, where they got 50 artists and they wanted to do a blind auction. So they gave oh. every they gave 50 artists actually like a, a pavement slab, like a 50 by 50 pavement oh, wow. slab. And then you had to make art on it. And they got like Auntie Gormley to do one. So it was this brilliant show. And every like they did this blind buy where every piece was a thousand pounds. And you just you don't know which one you're gonna get up to. But they had some brilliant names in it. So it's like quite a lot of street art. But you had the guy from um uh Massive Attack did one, uh like the graffiti New York thing, Vale did one, like Veals did one. Wow. So there's some really big names in there. And then so they did this with this um they did it in conjunction with this art dealer called Jenny, who goes under Helium London, and she literally really adored my piece and thought it was one of the best ones there. So we sort of hooked up from that and did a couple of prints of it. And it was just a really such thing. So they raised like 50,000 for this charity um, uh, of um, one of their family members who's, who's suffering with really horrible disease. So that was just a really good, a really good um, exhibition. And then obviously they, because it went so well, a few years later, they did the Press of Matters one. And, you know, they just wanted to, I think they just got so much good response from the first one and obviously raised money. And they were just so chuffed that artists would come out and help and, and do it so yeah this second one uh they just had this idea for a while and obviously covid put put a, a bit of a, a dampen on it and it didn't come out till later but yeah basically they get these special pressings from artists all from like i think um like the clash and like prodigy like some amazing massive names i got um the horrors so it's like these special kind of early pressings with almost like artist proofs of records um and then it was just a case of like doing a bit of art on it basically they give it to you and you can do what you want um but yeah i think that whole crossover of the music and you know the art it just it's such a natural fit but yeah, yeah and yeah they raised about 70 60 70 grand i think from it so yeah it was just a really good thing that really, really took off because obviously like matches um matches a big fashion brand like hosted it and there was a physical exhibition and then like, i even did a talk with um a couple of artists and fat boy slim was on it and yeah, it was just a really good thing to be part of, really. So, and it's just because, yeah, I know Josh pretty well, and I really like what he does. He likes what I do, and it's just, it's just a, a, you know, lucky, lucky connection, really, to be honest. But you know, I, they, they always say like, you know, if you weren't good enough, we wouldn't put you in. So it's, it's like, no, it's true. Like, that's be- true. <clears throat> but but yeah, no, it was good. It's very interesting that that they chose art to raise money because I think thing with art it can go both ways it could either be you know you know obviously the problem with art is that like people see you know say for instance Banksy who sells you know work for billions of pounds and they see that as like the pinnacle of an artist's success but actually mm. that's only kind of the one percent of artists like that doesn't necessarily mean that every artist is selling out like mm. that um, and I think it's very interesting they chose art to auction off um as opposed to say I don't know something else because it just seems like art can sometimes seem like it's a quick way of making money but it's really not um, yeah. How have you experienced kind of like the business side of art? Um, I mean, it's not too bad. I mean, there is a lot of admin that goes with it, which I don't think many sort of people know. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so yeah, there. You know, I have like a job book, and I, I treat it very much like like a job. Like I met with yeah. a friend yesterday, and there was he just been to a drawing course, and there was another friend there, and he was sort of shocked that we have a, like an Excel and we like log everything that we send off to places and you put what pieces you put in and all this sort of thing. And you've got to be really quite, you know, organized with, with your whole approach to it all. So, um, but I mean, generally I still think I'm, I'm a bit early in my career to really 
get the true worry of the financial side of it really come not really making that that huge amount of money as such so i'm not i'm certainly not making 80 million from a shredded banksy piece so um so yeah it's 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 a small bit it's just like being freelance at any job to be honest i think it's, it's just you know you've got taxes to do and that's it i don't think it's hugely different at this stage than anyone who's freelance doing anything really is that something you ever talk about to like the audience you have what money yeah, like the idea of kind of like doing taxes, the idea of kind of all the admin work behind the oh. actual part. Uh, no, no, it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, vital, no. it's a vital part. Yeah, I mean, I think stuff like that should be talked more about in universities and sort of like our education research. I don't think there's much real world like like teachings of actually how to be an artist. Like I didn't even know like artist newsletter existed until I like two years after I graduated, which would have been really helpful to know. Yeah. Like there's this magazine where you can apply to residencies and like competitions and kind of open calls and you know just little things like that I think is 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 stuff like that so yeah it's a bit I think if you if you're not really in the world it all seems a little bit like what's behind the curtain no one really knows and no one really wants to tell you and you've sort of just got to figure out yourself which kind of partly you do I think really but I think obviously with social media and stuff it's easier to connect where back in the day there was not really much like that so how often do you search for like new exhibition opportunities and like open calls and things? Uh, oh, quite a lot. I do do quite a lot. So yeah, I've got, I've got an Excel form and I've got, how many am I on at the moment? Um, oh, it's a lot, lot of red. I mark it red when I haven't got in and there's quite a lot of red. But um, so yeah, I've got, hold on, let's see how many... I, Yeah, I'm up to line 53 of things I've entered over the last few years. So I don't enter every single one just because of certain times or I haven't got enough work. But um, I kind of see it as a really good way of, I mean, one, especially if I like the judges who are on it or I kind of, there's a, a lot, I sort of respect the judges who are on it um, or if it suits kind of the, the subject suits what I think I do, I'll learn quite a lot of things. But I just think it's a really good way to get more eyes on your work more than anything. And I think it's, it's again, it's that thing of, if you win something, then you're going to get, there are a number of people who, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there are a number of people who will buy art because they think it's an investment. And if they're told, sure. if they're told by someone, this person's just one side and they're going to be big, regardless of if they like the work or not, they're going to buy it, which is yeah, kind of true. like you know, a real flawed part of art, but it's been like that for you know centuries. So it's just, it's just how it is. But so part of it is to enter it to just get more eyes on it. And the more you win, the more attention you're going to get. And hopefully the more sounds you'll get really. So it's just a good way to meet people really as well. So do you think that you're part of the larger art industry? Uh, art industry is what, what would you call your industry? Just as in kind of like, do you feel like you're part of kind of, a community um, a community of artists yeah i definitely feel yeah i think it, yeah like i say since i started up again i definitely feel I, I feel where before in my 20s and 30s i would never call myself an artist because i never truly felt what like one but now i i do actually i have no like qualms about saying it because like, i have a studio i'm in there most days like i've i've won a prize last year uh you know like i've I've been on bits and here and there. I've been in shows. I've been. I've exhibited with some really quite big names. Um, so it definitely feels like like when I started up six years ago. If someone said to me where I'd be now is where I am now, I'd be really I'd be chuffed to bits. 
but then obviously as you get there you sort of I'm very good I'm always conscious about really resetting goals each year so if you get I've done quite a lot of things so it's like well that's great but it's still not where I want to be so you just got to kind of there's no point just resting on your lawyer saying oh yeah I want something it's like well that was last year and like when things move on it doesn't really matter yeah. anymore it's about trying to be quite yeah so I'm quite I sort of set myself goals quite goal oriented and sort of you know yeah so I try and do that quite a bit and move it but yeah I just think like open calls and exhibitions or competitions are just a great way just to, even if you don't win it, if you're getting in something, you're going to meet someone else, you know, might go, oh, I'm doing this, why did it come in there? It's just a great networking opportunity. And I think for more people you know, it's that thing of most people are trying to do the same thing. And instead of seeing people as competition, it's about seeing people as like your contemporary and like, you know, it's, it's great having like the, like the guy who, who beat me on the Sky Arts thing, he actually eventually went on to win it. And now we've become really good friends and we're talking about doing an exhibition together and, you know, just having that support to each other is just really, really lovely thing to have. So it's not always just about getting the award or, or, or getting recognition. It's just, yeah, it's just being in that process of knowing you're an artist and, and meeting other artists and, you know, you kind of, you know, it gives you kind of more oomph and push just from having those connections really. Yeah, I think definitely. There's one thing that I've learned is that networking is a vital part of being an artist. And it's, it's you know, it's not really what you know, it's who you know a lot of the time for opportunities and kind of... Yeah. Just like even through like the fine football, doing this and getting to meet people and get to talk to people. Like I've, there's a lot of people I see who like connect with each other or I can talk to them. You know, I have a platform to just kind of show people different people's work and stuff. And it's quite nice to to be able to bring people together and to kind of you know, I feel like you're kind of serving some kind of purpose other than just doing something that doesn't really mean anything. Um, totally. I think, you know, networking is, it's something that I think is, it's quite hard for a lot of artists because a lot of artists are quite introverted. Mm. Um, so it's not something that people particularly enjoy doing. I think once you kind of figure out how to do it in the way that you enjoy, I think it becomes easier. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I used to hate it before, but then I think, I think partly that was just because I didn't really like the work. So I didn't really want to talk about it or yeah. show people it. But I think when you... I think when you become not necessarily seasoned as such, but when you when you feel you've been going for a few years and you know quite a lot of people like who are trying to do the same thing and are sort of you're sort of all on the sort of same level and you're trying to get to the next level and it's about helping each other. I just think it's a really sort of nice place to be. And I think the more you connect, the more you know, and the more you're trying to help, it, it does get that sense of that you are an artist because you are you, you know you're in it together as such. So it's definitely you know it's you know it's just again it's I think it just comes down to just being nice and just being kind yeah. which yeah. you know uh, yeah so let's talk a bit about social media um so kind of what are your thoughts on social media and is it something you enjoy um i'm on it quite a lot as in looking i have actually haven't posted a piece for months i think so for me it's just like a nice add-on i don't really consider it important in a sense of someone's career or anything like that like i have seen people almost have a go at Instagram because they're changing the way Instagram works and therefore that's going to affect how someone as an artist shows their work. And I'm like, if you're putting your all your all your balls in Instagram making you famous, then you've got a lot of trouble ahead because yeah. I just it the work should speak for itself. And if you keep doing it and keep doing it, it like there's loads of people who are massive who aren't even on Instagram. It's like the idea, I think there's this whole sort of it's like when um like MySpace and musicians came out. It's like, you know, you need yeah. to get MySpace, you're going to make it. It's like, it doesn't just becomes really saturated and 
you know, no one makes it because it's only really one or two rare ones who would make it because they've done it. Like, you know, there's always that success story. There's a woman who I think is brilliant called CJ Henry. Yes. Should we heard of her? She, yeah. I haven't did. And obviously, yeah. And I mean, actually, I mean, I'm, I really hate uh, photographic work, but I find, I'm quite obsessed with her. I find her really fascinating. Um, but following her where she started quite, quite, you know, just with a pen, pen drawings when it was really early on and she had sort of hardly no following and the way she's gone is just incredible. And that's obviously quite a success story of Instagram. But, you know, that's one in a million. That really is. It's like people, if you're joining Instagram thinking that you're going to become a successful artist, I think you're in dreamland, really, because there's just so much more work to it than just posting stuff online. And, I, I, yeah, for me, I just use it as a nice, just a nice thing, really, that, you know, you can connect. And like, I made more friends from it than I have sole work as such. So I just use it for what it is, really. It's just a, a yeah, nice little extra, really. I don't really, I haven't, I'm not really putting my eggs on it that it's going to make me famous at all so how important is it for you to build an audience for your work i guess online or do you prefer to build it in person um personally in person i just don't I, it's that thing i think especially with <clears throat> with covid like the amount of like online exhibitions and it's just like well it's just a jpeg like yeah like you you can't really you need to see art like in the flesh and i think it, you know nothing will ever rep- replace that whether you've got like a VR headset on and you're walking around and it's massive and you need to be able to see it, especially especially with paint and pencil and charcoal it's like it's such a you, you just you just can't replicate it from just a digital image so yeah it's for me it's like the, it's an in-person audience as such but um to be honest again I think I'm so early in my career that I don't really I, I never really think about it as a as a subject or thing that I think oh, I should work on who my audience is or anything like that I've literally just concentrate on my work and like yeah. in that that will eventually come just as a as a you know I've just come like naturally really so I just think it's all about the work for work it's just got to be always be pushed forward and and concentrated on and that's what yeah all my attention goes to is just for work and making sure it's as good as it can be do you ever feel like the pressure to create my work um a little bit but then it i think a lot of it is just again it's this time resources of just i mean i'm sure all parents think this but if you could just pause it and get an extra day out whatever you do would just be <laughs> the most amazing invention ever but um but no generally i'm quite i'm quite happy with the amount i get that i mean i've been quite slow of late just because of the trying to get over summer but once i get going i can do a, like if i pushed it i can do a drawing within a week um so it's not a uh, yeah I don't really have a huge issue in the amount I do I mean it would it'd be like I'm going out for the prize I won last year is a it's like part of the prize is a free residency in the south of France so to actually I don't think I've ever had three weeks where I can just get up at yeah. eight work to eight and not actually have to go oh but my kid's ill or I've got to go pick them up or I've got to go to a food shop or I can literally just have three weeks to like fully just go right. yeah which have just so i'm really looking forward to that so that's going to be really interesting to see how much one how much i can get done and two just where it might take me and it's sort of on the sort of intellectual side of where i want to try and push it a little bit more get a bit more nuanced with some ideas so <clears throat> so yeah but yeah generally i sort of have i'm to be honest, even when i'm in the car or not in my studio i'm always kind of thinking 
what am I doing next? Or I'll, like, I'll have visualized paintings in my head all the time. So even when you're not there, you're kind of there. It's always in the background, really. It's like, it's, it's like, a, I always think if you're going to be really good at something, you've just got to be obsessed with it. So I'm kind of quite unhealthily obsessed with my art <laughs> because I just don't think you're going to get anywhere if you're not really. Like it's not, you can't do it part time. You've just got to be obsessed. That's why I was talking about selfishness earlier. I think sometimes you've got yeah. to be a little bit selfish to do it because otherwise, nothing, unless, you know, anyone who's at the top of their game, you know, they're not doing it like four days a week. They're doing it seven days a week. So, yeah, that's true. You've just that's always got to be, yeah. It's the whole, you know, that whole trope of 10,000 hours, isn't it? You've got to do something yeah. for 10,000 hours to become like a, a master and stuff. So, I'm sort of, I think there's a bit of truth in that, to be honest. So, so does know that your work is going to be viewed online actually affect the way you create it? Uh, oh, no, definitely not. No, no. Um, I, I think it, it's difficult. I think the main, main thing what I struggle with when I look at other people's art, you just get no a sense of scale to it. Hmm. And that's what I think is really difficult, which it's just, even if, you know, any way you know is if they're holding it and they're, it's in person or something like that, or that it's in a gallery and you see, you know, a reference of people next to it. But I just think it's so hard. So no, like nothing, I honestly think nothing really affects, like I, like I have an idea of what I want to do and nothing will really change that apart from just artistic decisions of like composition, colour or what I, if something just feels too obvious, I take it away or yeah, everything is just about making it as good as possible. I'm not thinking about an audience thinking, oh, well, an audience thinks that's a bit, risque nothing like that concerns me at all to be honest not that my work's risque anyway but yeah but it's just about um, like your yeah. instincts and yeah it's about your instincts and the, the day it should be it should be like that because you're the one putting the time and effort into it yeah because you know it's your life you're spending it's you know art's yeah. a great reflection of the artist's life because yeah. it's your time bring into it i just think as well you just need to be totally genuine about what you're trying to do and i think if you try and put external forces into it or try and double guess what you think an audience or what you think would work well on social media Again, I just think you're going down like a rabbit hole of just your work's just going to be shit because you're just you're pandering then to people. Like always, for example, I always find it weird that whenever they did films, they would show it to a test audience, and then yeah. based on what that test audience would think, they might change it. I'm like, but why? They're like they haven't done films. They haven't done a film course. This yeah. person's done a film course for ten years and made four films. These people have just like coming off the street and like a, a plumber. And it's not. I'm not saying a plumber can't have good taste in films, but like, why yeah. would you judge? people who have not no history within film to tell you how to make a film it's really weird so yeah i just think in the same way as an artist if you change it from what you believe is the right thing to do because you think it might sell better or it might get a better audience or it might be have a better you might get 10 more likes on instagram or 100 more likes then yeah it's just silly to me really i don't understand that that process so I just want to talk about, so I've got a quote here from an interview you did with Helium London. Um, okay. And it was there, and they asked you about inspiration. And actually, something you said was very, very interesting. I don't know if you even remember what you said. Probably um, not. I'm, yeah, go on. So I think quote, I know what you're going to say, though. Probably. So to quote you, you said, just, and they asked you, like, you know, oh, like, who would you like to, to, who would you like to see working in a studio? And you said, to spend a day in the studio and watch the work would be fascinating. But equally, I'd worry it would impact on how I work. I'd constantly question my choices, my whole practice, even. Um, and I was kind of interested in the idea of like, do you think there's like a limit to inspiration? Um, no, I don't think so. 
it's a bit, um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's that thing, I saw a thing the other day, which, like someone saying, you know, like Picasso made like thousands of bits of work, but there's only like really a handful which because they're masterpieces. So it's like, you've kind of got to go through quite a lot of shit. And I think a lot of people do want that instant hit of like everything they do has got to be yeah. perfect. And, you know, something like, it's like I was saying earlier, it's like sometimes you've got to go through certain bad pieces to work out actually that didn't work. Yeah. Again, it's that thing of recognising what doesn't work and realising that that's shit or that's bad and, and then going, right, I'm going to change that and then the next one, like, I, I I did two drawings exactly the same because both, like, well, the first one didn't work and I was like, oh, I want to do that again because I think there's something there and then that one didn't work so I, I gave up in the end. But um, I think sometimes you've just got to, like, there are many artists who will do sort of like the same image over and over again because that image alone is so powerful to them but, and they're kind of obsessed with it and they, they just haven't quite done what they've wanted to do so they just keep doing it again and again and again, you know, whether it's Jenny Savile and that kind of young boy's face or, you know, Mondrian and his mountain and stuff like that, you know, people get, like I said, like get obsessed with things and can't stop painting them sort of thing. So, I, yeah, I think, I don't think really inspiration is, I don't, yeah, I know a lot of people, like musicians talk about, you know, it just comes out of nowhere and then you've written a great yeah. song, but yeah, I don't know really. It's a strange one. Like some pieces I've done seem to have much more but I guess that's the thing of when I do a piece of work, ones that I think are good, other people choose other ones which they think is good. And it's always quite consistent or other people like more than what I like. Yeah. Which I find strange, but I guess that's just what, you know, again, that's, you know, if the audience choose, you know, that's their, that's their, that's their sort of, not their right, but you know, that's just how it is, isn't it? People Absolutely. choose what they want. So you can't have any control over that, which I don't mind. I just find it very, I just find it interesting. Do you ever worry about like repetition within your work and kind of like how do you kind of make sure that your work is evolving enough that it's not you're not just doing the same thing over and over again unless that's what you want to do? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean it's changed quite a lot in in the five years I've been doing. So I always, I think I just get bored if I did the same thing. So I've had quite a quite a high boredom, um, whatever it is. So. Yeah, I kind of, I'd never really worried too much about that. There's a thing where, like at the moment, my, my sizes have all been just about a metre high by about 60 centimetres wide. And now I've gone to these bigger, like metre and a half size bits of paper. Let alone it's just three months, because the figures can now almost be like life-size figures. And you can kind of get like three, I want to get to a point where I'm doing like three, four, five figures in them. So I've always got ideas about where I want to go. But I'm always quite conscious well of not trying to leap too far in it yeah. and trying to sort of go, well, I've got that idea and I want to get to that idea. If I do it slowly, when that idea arrives, it would be much more formed and 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 kind of I'll have a much better idea and it will come out better. Where if I try and jump to it now, I just I'd make too many. It just I just know it just won't look or be as good. So it's just so I I feel like I sort of take those steps. And because again, they don't they I'm not taking like two months to do one piece. It's quite a easy way of working really the process so but yeah I don't think I mean there is uh, you know I mean a lot of them are you could say you know religious connotations and stuff like that are quite repetitive but then I try to change each one and then obviously some work better than others because of colours or compositions so you just yeah I think it's just a natural thing where it will just organically move on really when you when it works and when it doesn't so what is the actual kind of process of your work in terms of like, how do you get from say a concept in your mind to the final product on a piece of paper? Um, so yeah, I do I, I, like arrange photo shoots 
Um, so these, they were sort of kind of semi-friends of mine. I, I try not to do super friends because I feel if you're, if you're too connected to them, it just doesn't really work. So, um, or I just literally hire models so I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, so I, I sort of have props, like there's this really sweet girl who lent, she was um, like a costume designer. So she lent me like this like homemade rough that she made and this bonnet. So I'm quite good at sourcing bits and bobs that I need. And so, yeah, I take a photo shoot and then I just get the images back. And then I just basically use Photoshop as a sketchbook. So, because um, obviously I did design for so many years, it's really quick, comfortable way to bring colors into it to crop and kind of position exactly where you want things to go. So I've, I've got like a folder with like 20, 30, 40 sort of like ideas, which have just been either rejected or will then go on and do it. And you've got like three, four, five different versions of that one piece to change colors and see what works, see what doesn't work. So once you've got a rough idea of what you think could work, I sort of then transpose that to the paper. And then once it's on the paper and you start working, it, obviously you get more ideas as it goes on, stuff like that. And then the sort of, it's almost like a little conversation between the work and you. And it's sort of, that will sometimes dictate to you what it should do rather than you doing it, like the, the work will take on its own sort of power in a way. So it's just about having that, that back and forth of work about where it's going to go and not really. So. So yeah, but so yeah, that's pretty much the straight straightforward process really. So I have about like a, a four in five success rate. So like one every five doesn't work and it gets thrown away. But um, but generally that's pretty good. So actually, so what do you do with the image? So let's say you're, you're in the middle of, of creating an image and it doesn't work. Do you just throw it away? Uh, I just leave it on the laptop on the laptop, yeah, just save the file away and close it. And then I might go back to I've gone back to a couple recently to try and do it. But because of COVID, I ended up, I had this really good photo shoot with these two twin sisters. One of them was actually our doula, who was a really sweet girl. And um, they just had such a great look. And their photo shoot I did of them was just so good. And then because of COVID, I couldn't take any more shots. So I just ended up using the same models, the same photos oh, over and over again. So you're, you'll find if people on my site, there's two girls who are pretty much in quite a lot of them. But they were just too good, <laughs> so I've just. But I promise not to use any more now. So I'm really trying to get um, go back to old photos I've done and just try and. I'm, I'm always thinking as well of like going back to older work that I did three, four years ago, using that image, but doing it in the newer style that I've done, yeah. and see how different they would be. So I quite like that idea. Um, but yeah, but yeah, at the moment, I've, like I said, I'm just doing. I'm just about to start these these commissions, like portrait commissions, which I don't do too many of, but um, but I'm quite excited to do these ones. So. They've sort of given me free free range on what I can do and stuff, so that's good. Because it's quite interesting because your work is is kind of very mixed media-ish as opposed to being so traditionally one thing or another. Um, yeah. And I think it gives you kind of a really interesting room to kind of try different things if you fancied it. Um, have you ever considered doing like digital art if you're saying you do like mock-ups on Photoshop? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't like digital art, I've got to say. I'm not a fan. I mean, I do see, I mean, like Procreate, Especially obviously because I do illustration as well. Yeah. I, I kind of I, not necessarily cheat, but I mix the kind of like drawing and that, so I do it for illustration, for example, I'll do a drawing, but if it's got like sometimes they like want my face a little bit messy, but then yeah. if they go out, oh, it's a bit it's a bit too messy, I can't actually do it physically on one layer. So what I would do, I'd do a nice portrait, and then on the second bit of paper, I do a bit of mess, and then I put it into Photoshop with layers yeah, and I course. can kind of so I kind of do a thing where it looks organic, but it's actually quite a complex Photoshop file. So um, that's as, as digital as I get, but that's definitely because it's just illustration and the client is 
yeah. what's what, what's what they want at the end of the day. But um, no, for me, I just I like I like I actually like the like the actual process of drawing, like the physicality of actually yeah. drawing. I think like I like pro like I follow a few illustrators who use Procreate, and it's it's incredible. Like the actual technology is amazing. Like they're literally just drawing on a on an iPad with a pen. So there, there is something quite I can see why people do it, but for me again, it's just it's just all too nice. I don't think you get really many nice mistakes from it or errors, which can sometimes be quite nice. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I still like, I just like drawing. I think I just really like the physical it. nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just the physical nature. It's just a, just a nice thing to do. So yeah, I don't think, and again, it's that thing when, when you print it off, even though you have drawn it, it feels like it just doesn't seem the same. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. But I think that's just a personal thing rather than I don't I, I think there is definitely a place for digital art somewhere, but I don't you know, it just doesn't interest me. That's all. I mean, absolutely, that makes sense. I mean, your work yeah. is is very particular and you're also you have like a methodology about how you work. So mm. you know, if to change it to digital art would be like a kind of a, a very unnecessary leap um when you've already got a process in mind and you've already yeah. got kind of like you already know where you want to go with it and that's not it. So you know, yeah, you can I, and I think in a way, because because I do have so many sort of flat color pieces within it, it there, there's such a graphic graphic sense to it anyway of it being sort of like analog digital anyway. Because you know yeah. I'm just using flat colors, so I, it, you know that yeah, it doesn't yeah, it just there's, there's no there's no real reason for me to do it. So it's, it's, I've just never done it. That's interesting. But it's an interesting way to to consider that's how you kind of start the compositions and kind of get a rough kind of idea of it. That's quite interesting to to hear. Because a lot of artists who actually paint and or who do more kind of physical art actually do use, you know, like digital technology or digital means to create kind of yeah. like the compositions. And I, I just find that really curious. It's just like I don't know, just I'm very curious about that. It's such such a quick way. It because you can just change colours instantly and you can just do like a version and a version. And it, I just think there's a lot, I see, I do see and follow quite a lot of people who do these beautiful sketchbooks and they're doing little sketches and then it goes to a big piece and it's like, oh, well, it's brilliant. But I'm just like, if I did something, I'd be like, I'm like well, I've done it now. Why would I yeah. go and do it? It just feels for me, I just couldn't, yeah, it just doesn't feel right. And it's just, I think as you move on, like technologies totally should be embraced if it helps that final image. Do you, give, do you ever give yourself too many options in terms of, of possibilities? No, not really. I think once once you feel something working, you feel you're close, and you just keep working away at it until you sort of get it. I think if you if you feel something's working, then you won't go. I just see there's never that sense of like, well, I just see if I can do it in this. So, for example, for I've been doing the Photoshop of the the, the portrait I'm doing of this of this little boy. He's like four, four and a half, and um. And I've sort of had something all week where it feels nice and there's a couple of kind of different elements within it and it feels really nice, but it just didn't feel fully there. And it's only then once I came across that that, um, Indian painter I was talking about that really clicked something into it and then it's just taken on this whole new energy and then then, it's just that thing of for a whole week, I'm like, well, I won't sit in there because I just know it's not right. I just know. And it's not like I need to redo it. It's just waiting for something to come in which then works and then something has come in and it works really well now and I really like it so it's just like there's no there's no reason now to go anywhere else because I know this is the right it's just an instinct of knowing it's the right one and I, I you know once it goes on my paper as well it, it, it might change a little bit here and there as well so 
but it's something really good enough to go right that's enough there's no need to be going let's see if i can do it in a different color because it just doesn't yeah it's just yeah once you know you sort of know really oh okay so my next question for you is actually from the last artist i interviewed really, <laughs> i was wondering really, yeah who's a really great, gonna yeah it's a really great artist called um kevin scott davis who's actually only recently in july 2021 only recently just kind of started to get into drawing and actually it's quite a nice quite uh, a lot of parallels between you and him actually which is quite nice wasn't the way I was, it wasn't the order I was intending, but it actually works out very nicely, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so his question for you is, what do you think the role of the artist is in society? Um, oh, such a big question, isn't it? My question isn't as bold as this, I've got to say. Mine's 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 a bit rubbish, I think now. I should have got a better question. Um uh, one of my tutors that he wasn't even my tutor, he was a different tutor, but I always remember him saying this. We was all out having lunch and he came out and just sat with us and, and he basically said, All art is about beauty and communication. And I always like that as a phrase because I think obviously beauty can be be seen in so many different ways. That like I I think I'm trying to create something quite beautiful, but I had a lot of comments overheard when I was at my fair saying, Oh, it's a bit dark, I wouldn't want that on my wall. So, you know, obviously beauty is very, very um, you know, open to interpretation, but I think the communication thing is is the, one of the key bits of of just you know artists are just trying to reflect the times they live in. I guess really it's just in as, as simple as way as possible. They're just trying to yeah communicate whether that is you know it's a small thing within a personal sense or they're trying to get across the emotions of you know the times that we live in and things like that. It's I mean for me I, my work's so personal. Well, there are other people obviously trying to deal with much broader strokes. So it's, um, but yeah, I think generally as a, as a sort of full actor, I think it's just an artist's job is kind of just to reflect the time that they're part of and, and kind of hopefully that, that kind of reflections, you know, gets, you know, logged and it's sort of, it will, you know, it's almost like a library, isn't it? When you look back to other artists who are older and stuff like that, you, you, you know, you are reminded of the times that they're in and, you know the reasons they've done their things stuff like that so it's like they're kind of like little time capsules of the era that that artist is in i guess in a way yeah absolutely that's really that's really well put and that's such a good answer because a is such a big question um, yeah it's massive and not, and not just that it's like it could go so many different directions um but so yeah, yeah. i think that's very well said it's like it's an yeah. archive of the times yeah because I, I honestly don't yeah i don't think artists sort of sit there thinking what am I talking about? What am I yeah. going to be like? I don't think people really do that. They just sort of create work and it's only, you know, whether that's reflected by critics or audience later on, or, you know, depending on how successful it is and stuff like that. But yeah, I think generally it's just, yeah, you know, when you look back, it's a, it's a little moment of time and, you know, it sits within those areas, those eras. So do you have a question for the next artist interview? I was going to say, which seems really glib now, but um, do you think Damien, R, Damien Hurst is a good artist? Because <laughs> I just think everyone gets so um, funny with Damien Hurst. So I just thought it's quite funny. Well, I actually really like that. I think that's actually a great question. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He, he obviously um, he um, defies quite a lot of people in opinion. Obviously, yeah. he's, no, arg- like he's arguably, the, um, arguably the biggest artist in the world, really. So... Okay, that's actually pretty. That's actually that's a quite a fun question to ask. So I like that. I like that a lot. And yeah. not just that. I, I have an interview with somebody on Wednesday. 
So um, I'll send you her work later. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be wicked. Because I did notice, I think, um, the, who did I speak, who did I listen to? Who, and he talked about um, Damien Hurst and uh, Jeff Koons a bit, Mark, I think. Yes, it would have been. Yeah. I think it was Mark. If not, I do know. I remember I was speaking to him. Yeah. I spoke to quite a lot of people. But I always use kind of Damien Hurst and Jeff Koons as an example of kind of the idea of art and commodity. Yeah. They're, they're great examples of like at what point does an artist and their audience merge and at what point does kind of art become an object as opposed to an actual image or, an yeah. image or a feeling. I think you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, um, no, totally. It's, I just find it really funny because I'm a, I'm, I'm really struggle with Damien Hurst but I really love Jeff Koons so it's quite funny that <laughs> that kind of parts but my opinions of them are so different it's yeah, it's, yeah. but I, th- I think they are you rightly are grouped them in for a reason which I think is totally valid so but it's, yeah I just find it interesting because yeah I, th- I think I think Koons is a genius but I think Hurst is a bit of a charlatan but um it's bizarre isn't it how yeah it can be in the same thing but yeah such different views but yeah that's go. actually really no that's really interesting that's super cool and actually i feel like the weird thing about them though to be honest is that like i don't really know their work personally i don't know their work that much i need kind of you know it's kind of like the echoes of what they've done i can tell you mm. what they're currently doing because i don't pay attention but yeah you just know whatever they're doing right now is going to make a lot of money and it's not yeah, yeah. about the actual eye itself it's more about their name yeah yeah like yeah. the idea of kind of brands and ideas and ashes as a brand which is not i'm really interested in um you know that kind of whole conversation of of yeah creativity versus commodity i think that's yeah that's, i mean i think that's you could almost put that at any artist who is is you know selling over five hundred thousand a piece they're almost all of them are brand anyway because people are almost buying it the people buying it are the super wealthy and it's a yeah. status symbol of thing anyway are they actually buying it because they truly love that piece or and stuff like that so you know it's such a strange the art the art buying kind of you know history of like high art is just insane anyway isn't it like what that, that no reason that one thing is worth more than another thing and it's almost like football transfers it's all yeah. just play stupid money anyway so it doesn't really make the value of a work actually more interesting like the value, there's more value in the work than just monetary value sort of thing so yeah yeah that's very yeah. true so um the question is um what does it mean to be a successful artist and how do you measure the success of your own work um i think i sort of answered earlier where it's i think yeah, it's just that did. yeah that ability to just for me success is that thing of having a show selling it out giving yourself enough money from that show to spend two years on another collection have another show you know and sort of repeat it really and then yeah, just having that that freedom just to make work, I think is just like, because that's all you really need. That's all I think most artists really want is just that freedom not to feel the stress of, you know, making rent and just having that freedom yeah. to, to, to make it, I think, and being, you know, having that that freedom and time to just, you know, push it. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just, yeah, just great. Yeah, because a lot of artists that I've spoken to and I just message on a daily basis you know all they want to do is just make enough money to make the next piece of art yeah uh, that's all they want they don't yeah. you know, they don't want a yacht they don't want a mansion they just want to be able to sustain what they're doing what they're looking yeah. to do because uh, it's a it's a really it's a really tough way of living to go yeah. to do it you've really have got to sort of hustle and get through it or try and pivot into ways to make bits of extra money to tick you over and then when it's going good you sort of lean into it and stuff like that so it's definitely not sort of for the 
you've got to be pretty thick skinned as well. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot of rejection, especially if you do enter loads of things. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty, you've got to, yeah, really sort of really commit to it, which I think is easy. I think it's easier said than sort of done. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. So it being an artist, liberating, isolating, or both? Um, I guess both, really. It's, it all depends. Yeah. I, mm. I mean, it's nice. I mean, obviously, literally, it's isolating because you're just in your studio yeah. making work stuff like that. So, but then obviously, generally, you're. I mean, you're living a life which is quite different to generally, you know, a large, you know, percent of the population who, you know, it's not necessarily. I mean, I think a lot of people still think that I don't really have a job. <laughs> so, you know, you're sort of dealing with that idea of it's. You know, you don't. Yeah, it's it's just such a strange way to sort of live, especially when you're kind of in the sort of early you know strands of, of trying to make a career it's it is quite a weird sort of up and down I think I think also as I've really got quite serious over with it in the last like three four years my wife has kind of realized that I, I can be quite emotionally up and down and go if it's not going well I'll be quite moody <laughs> and quite hard to be around just because it's so sort of connected to the practice so connected to me sort of on an emotional level so it's um yeah it's a difficult it's a difficult life i don't know what was the question <laughs> as bad as it isolating or liberating oh right that? yeah um i think it's i mean yeah it's liberating in that sense that you don't you, you it's quite nice not having to sort of live by the idea of a sort of status quo of how you you know you're always told how to live your life of just you know get a job and do that and stuff like that you know there must be so many people who've got jobs and it's just you know hate their lives and it's but you know they've got a really nice house and you know go on holidays like that but you know it's a weird I don't know it's a weird thing isn't it because just people just trying to get through life and do the best they can for that but I don't know for me I'd find it you know uh I, yeah I'd find it soulless to just do a, a shit job until I died uh, yeah but then you know I'm, I might get to a point where I've not made it in 20 years and then I'm like oh, fuck what have I done <laughs> I've not actually done anything so you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's a risk everywhere you go, isn't it? So Absolutely. what you're trying to do. And it's sort of, you know, it's like you say, it's part of doing the work is just me wanting to do it anyway, that like I would do it anyway. But equally, I am very conscious of it, trying to make a good living for me as well. So sort of trying to straddle, straddle both sort of sides of it, really. Absolutely. Right. So the next question for you I have is, have you ever had a period of time where you've doubted your ability? And if so, how did you overcome it? Oh, loads. Um, I think, like I said before, like I, I stopped properly, like gave it up and didn't work for like a year. I think the longest was maybe two years where I didn't do anything. I literally gave up a studio and just did nothing. So yeah, you get major doubts. But I think that's the thing of when you leave uni as well, you kind of, you're on a bit of a void sort of feeling and you think, oh, yeah. it's just a case of just making work and someone's going to come up and go, oh, it's really good. Let's get in a gallery and it sort of doesn't really happen. And you're like, oh, this is a bit hard. So, yeah, once you sort of get into the sort of real world and, you know, you just get a normal job and stuff like that. I think for me, looking back now for how I'm doing now, you know, the, the sense of being in the studio all the time is just what is key, I think, the most important thing to it. Like, without having that constant dialogue with yourself and, and actually drawing every day or making art every day, it's just impossible to do it any other way, really. Like, I always... Like I met a painter in Margate a few years ago and literally he was like mid twenties and, um, and was literally like just he had savings and he just 
painted every day. You just get like you live in a little one bed flat and get people around here just painted. I mean, it was, and it was just so. I just thought it's definitely the way people need to do it. And like he went on to win the BP actually a few years ago, and, and you could tell his work was just so good. But it's just because he's doing it every day, and he's just yeah. like he's he's surrounded by paint. He's surrounded by his paintings. He wakes up and like his bedroom was nice, and the rest of his room was just was like a studio. And it's like, but that's how it should be. It's like just get just do it all the time like if you can't if you you know, live in a shit place like don't eat much <laughs> don't like if you really want to do it i just honestly think it's just about th- doing everything you can just to enable yourself to paint every day because when i was doing it in my 20s of painting on a friday or and then i got to one point early 30s where i had i managed my work to be four days and i could get paid enough and then have a full day to paint and then a bit on weekends but again, it's still just not enough because you sort of, you, you, you just lose, but you're just not doing it every day and it's just really hard to get going. And I just found found it didn't work. So yeah, I, I gave up twice over once in my late twenties and then once in my thirties. Um, and then it's just that thing of when you just miss it and miss it and miss it. And then when I did for, for teaching and was being around for sort of 16, 17, 18 year olds who were doing their work, they were just so into it and they were so good as well. It was just like, oh, I just need to, to do it again, really. So yeah, it was just, yeah. It, I don't know, it's that weird thing, isn't it? Of just, you, you, you can give up, but it's sort of always sort of there. And it's always a bit of an itch. Yeah. So I think whether, I, mean, I think obviously having a little bit of, not necessarily success, but you, you're getting good feedback, obviously allows you to then go, oh, actually, okay, no, this was the right decision. And you sort of, keep pushing forward and you get you know you get another little thing or you win something or you know you, you make some you know you start making friends and con- connections and you actually then start to feel like you're fully in the world of it and you you go into exhibitions and public views and seeing friends doing public views and all of a sudden you just sort of feel completely in the middle of it so that's when it feels like you know it doesn't feel like scary or kind of out of reach anymore so it's just getting to that point really it's just quite hard Absolutely. I think that's, that's really, really well said, actually. Um, that's very well said. And I think you're like kind of the perfect person to ask that question to as well, um, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, so how do you define the term contemporary art? Uh, I heard you say this on the other one. And I was like, how do I do it? I've been trying to think for ages. Because um, I was going to say something like, like Picasso onwards and be really wanky with it. Because almost like, you know, like I remember seeing his like girl skipping like sculpture and it was just so fucking good. I was like, oh man, that's just so good. It's so, and it's almost just from that sort of ear. But then you could almost say as well, like from like Deschamps, like Fountain, like you can't get more contemporary from that. I mean, it's almost what you're saying with Jeff Coons of like, well, he hasn't made it and stuff like that. But like, that's almost like the birthplace of contemporary art of like, he's not, he's literally just found an object and gone, I've changed. I've turned it. I turned it a different way and called it something else. And therefore, I've changed the context. And therefore, you know. So almost, I you know, a, yeah. A simple thing is just say from Deschamps' Fountain onwards is contemporary art. But obviously, there's loads of people now who will make art, and it, you know, if you didn't know it, it could have been done 200 years ago. So yeah. from it's yeah, it's it's two sides really of what it is. I, for me, I think it's all about that thing of um, contemporary and I think especially because of Instagram kind of um, pushes this probably a bit more, people want to do it, that you find a lot of artist accounts where it almost, it's just almost like decorative. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are just 
it's just sort of decorative and it's actually not saying anything. They're not really communicating anything. So any work which is trying to communicate something, I think is probably done in this time. It's always going to be classic contemporary, really. So yeah, it's quite a loose description, but yeah, if, it, if it's something just surface, then I don't really consider it art to be honest, personally, because it's just, there's nothing there. It's just a, a visual object, it's just flat. But if you're trying to communicate something and, you know, whether it's good or bad, you know, it's still contemporary, I guess, to a point. That's a good answer because a lot of people I ask that to really hate the question. Um, yeah, I can see why. It's, it's a really hard <laughs> question to answer. <laughs> well, that's, a whole, that's the whole reason I asked it. Um, yeah. That is funny. The whole reason I always ask it because um, contemporary art is, uh, for instance, like a hashtag I use all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's something, it kind of, I don't know why, but it kind of struck me one day as to like, what does that actually mean? Um, yeah. I mean, when things contemporary that we don't necessarily actually think about what that means. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you go into books, it'd be called post contemporary art now. Yeah, so we're almost past it. So it's, you know, if you, you almost need to go forward 40 years to then go back to see what it's called yeah. within an art book. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, every, anything done is now is sort of, contemporary sort of thing but it's funny when you go back and you're seeing like old art from the 60s and 40s even and it's just just, some of it just would look so contemporary now so it's like it's yeah it's yeah it's when you're just trying to break down I guess I'm not even gonna go into it and stuff but yeah it's I'll stick with what I said (laughs) so do you believe there's a link between anguish and the creation of art and is uh kind of the idea of the suffering artist a truth or a myth uh, I would say myth, to be honest. Because one, I think nearly everyone has something quite hard about their lives, regardless of the level of what that could be. Even though for my side, obviously, I I was fostered and that was quite a traumatic experience. There's people who have been with their parents who have been shit parents or a parent has passed away as a kid. That, that so many people have gone through so many different things. So I don't think there's one thing where... It, it goes up that way and also I just there's loads of people who've actually had probably really good lives and are really good artists so I don't really I just think it's about creativity you know if you take it across things from people who make films to music or write books or you know plays you know I'm sure there's some very you know upper rich people who've done some really really good work so I don't really think anguish really has I think it's just a bit of a, a you know TV film myth that you know great art must come from you know, thing which is, I think, actually, yeah, it's just bullshit, really. But yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. That's yeah. Perfect. I don't. Yeah. Uh, so, the penultimate question is: What do you think your work says about you as a person? Oh, I don't think I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, that can be your answer. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't. He's quite handsome. Would be quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I. It's. It's, it's not really. Filthy eyes to say, really, because I just think it's such a a personal thing. I guess the main thing you'd want someone to say is that it feels like genuine, or it feels it feels like yeah, like a genuine attempt to try and do something. But rather than actually what you're trying to say on any sort of emotional or intellectual type side or anything like that, I can't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't really be able to say really. Yeah, no idea. No, yeah, I wouldn't even want to try and grasp it because I think, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's speak for itself. Yeah, sorry. Okay. No, no, that's fine. That's like yeah. the thing is that like 
even if I ask a question, the person doesn't want to answer or they haven't got an answer, like that's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to like you have to ask these questions. If you don't want yeah, to answer, yeah, yeah. It, that's fine. But I think that sometimes as well, it's it's easy for people to almost try and fill it with something. Yeah, they course. just actually come up yeah. with an answer, which actually isn't an answer, but they just feel that they've got to answer something. So it's sort of, you know, I'm quite bad at football diary anyway, so it's just better that I don't say anything. That's fine. Like, I just appreciate being yeah. honesty. Um, and if someone's like, oh, I don't answer that, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Cool. Cool. Um, so the very last question, which was a different mm-hmm. borrow question, which is uh, what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Uh, so they can find me on Instagram, which is Patrick Morales Lee. Um, Morales is M-O-R-A-L-E-S and then Lee. Uh, and then my website is also the same, patrickmoraleslee.co.uk. Um, what am I working on? So I've got two commissions, which is really nice, which is sort of come along at the same time, both, both children, but they both... Um, really leaned into the work and uh, yeah just giving me full freedom to do what I want which is really nice um, so really actually excited about doing those um, I'm, wor- I'm gonna do I'm working on big pieces again so I did like a big piece in the spring which is like a meter and a half by about meter 20 big bit of paper so I'm, I'm, my plan is to do about four or five of these for my show next year in the south of France I've got an exhibition solo exhibition in south France uh, May time so I'm going to be doing those big pieces. So I've got a couple of ideas ready for those, but I need to take a new photo shoot to get um, get some new photos done for that. So yeah, it's just it's really just working towards towards that. Really, I'm waiting to hear back on a few things that I've put out for open calls. But yeah, there's no point saying them because usually they just are nothing there, and then people will look it up and go, "He's not even in it." So, um, but um, yeah, I'm, ho- I'm fingers crossed on a couple of those because some of those could be quite good. But yeah, at the moment, it's just doing a bit of commission stuff and then working towards the show next year. That's absolutely perfect. Thank you so much, Patrick. I really appreciate perfect. it. No, it's a pleasure. It's been really nice chatting, Alan. Thank you. That concludes my conversation with Patrick Morales Day. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this interview, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Twitter and Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music or whatever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word and reach more listeners. Also, don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. We now also have a Patreon page if you would like to consider supporting the platform further. Tears start from £1 and for more information, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this conversation today. And until next time folks, please stay safe.